Welcome to This is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose to create a better life for all residents of the region. We work at the intersection of race, economy, political power, gender, and the structures of oppression at work within us individually, within our organization, and within the community. We are working towards building people's control of the government, building community control of the economy, expanding the public sphere, and creating structural racial equity. Today, my guests are Lexi Amos and Sean Seneker Nicholson of the Clean Missouri Campaign and Robert Carr, an organizer with MCU. Today, we're gonna to talk about Amendment 3, which will appear on the November 3rd ballot in Missouri and looks to reverse Clean Missouri initiative that was uh, passed by voters in 2018. The November 3rd election is right around the corner. It's been a long journey to get here. Bob, uh, just take us back and, and tell us about MCU's participation in making sure Clean Missouri became law and then in defending it. Tell us how you became involved and how the organization's been involved. Well, thanks. Uh, yeah, in, tw in 2018, uh, gathering uh, signatures on the petition to get uh, Clean Missouri on the ballot was my initial involvement with that kind of work uh, with MCU. So that was uh, a great experience. And of course, we're very pleased to get it on the ballot and uh, achieve uh, that success. So also very disappointing to see what happened uh, in the last uh, period of time as a follow up to that. Following up on that, what, kind of what was your feeling when you saw that even before the uh, November was out in 2018, the Missouri legislature was already planning something to overturn it? Well, it was very disappointing and actually insulting to be told that uh, I, as a voter, didn't understand uh, what I was voting for. I, I clearly understood what I was voting for. And I think uh, most of the uh, most all of the people, the 62% of the voters in Missouri across the whole state that supported uh, that constitutional amendment knew exactly what they were voting for. Now, not only has the issue itself had some battling back and forth, but there's even been manipulation of ballot language uh, and that dispute ended up in the courts. So what was the problem with the ballot language and then how did things end up? Where do we stand now? The politicians who crafted Amendment 3 knew that voters weren't going to be excited about what's in the fine print. So they have um, attached a $5 change to lobbyist gift limits and $100 change to state Senate contribution limits as a way to distract voters from, from what's really going on, which is um, a gerrymandering scheme. But even beyond that, beyond, beyond that fundamental construction, they wanted to put dishonest ballot language on all of our ballots um, overstating and misstating what was actually in the fine print. So we sued um, citizens who are part of the 2017-2018 campaign, sued right after Amendment 3 was sent to the ballot by the General Assembly. And we said, hey, like, the ballot summary language can't say things that, it's, that aren't true, and it can't say that it's going to change things that it's not changing. Um, and so a Cole County judge agreed with that, um, rewrote the language, uh, the state appealed, so the, the legislature and the Secretary of State appealed. Um, and then we went to the Western District Court of Appeals. The Western District agreed that the legislature lied. Um, so affirmed the, the fundamental decision, but they wanted the language rewritten a slightly different way. So there have been three ballot language versions now for Amendment 3, um, but the fundamental truths are the same. Um, and when voters get their ballots, either 
they go cast an early Epson T1 or they go in on November 3rd, you're going to see two bullets up top. One is about the $5 change to lobbyist gifts. One is about the $100 change to contribution limits. We all know that's the, the wrapping paper. Um, the real stuff is, is a number three. Um, you'll also see on the ballot that local governments expect significant revenue losses if this passes because of some of the fundamental changes that Amendment 3 would make to who counts um, and how communities are represented. Now, did I see something yesterday online that some ballots are getting out with old language on it? There were two isolated spots. So two counties, Buchanan County up St. Joe in Northwest Missouri, and then Vernon County, Nevada in Southwest Missouri. Um, a few hundred folks got ballots that were printed with the original illegal language. Um, but that's been addressed. Those, like, no one is getting those ballots anymore. Those folks are getting, getting notified that, that they got the, the dishonest illegal language. So it was a it was a scramble for a couple hours just to make sure that it was taken care of. But, you know, the, the LEAs have gotten it buttoned up now and um, no one outside of those two counties um, had that issue. Um, Amendment 3 does more than just eliminate uh, redistricting changes uh, that were passed by si over 60% of Missouri voters. It goes further and rewrites who gets counted uh, to be represented. So t tell us about this this change. This seems to be the bi the biggest thing in the heart of it. Yeah, it's a pretty profound and, and huge change. For 150 years, Missouri has counted everyone in our maps, or everyone who's in Missouri counts in our maps. Um, after the census is completed, the census requires you count everyone, whether you're four years old or whether you're 100 years old, everybody counts. And then we divide that population by the number of Senate districts or the number of House districts. What the supporters of, of Amendment 3 want to do is draw maps based on the eligible voter population of the state, not the total population. That sounds good for two to three seconds until you realize that that means that 1.5 million Missourians who aren't eligible to vote would not be counted and would not have representation in the state capitol. Almost all of those um, impacted individuals would be kids who aren't eligible just because they happen to be 17 or younger, um, but also non-citizen immigrants, regardless of their status, would not be represented and would not be counted. Um, for context, 2% of Missouri's population, 2% two, uh, 2 are non-citizen immigrants, 23% of our population are kids. Um, so it's, it's, it's a full one in four Missourians would not be counted in their state house and state senate districts. Um, and that has very real downstream effects if, if that happens. This means that that some communities are, are not going to have uh, the numbers to be re represented or, or they'll have less representation. Um, what does that mean for individual communities? And how is that affecting local communities and who comes out ahead and who comes out behind? Yeah, so um, it's fundamentally wrong what they're trying to do. It also is discriminatory. So one of the national gerrymandering masterminds behind this whole idea, um, who's been working on this, um, he's passed away now, but he did a report a couple years ago on this change. And he talked about such a change would be advantageous to non-Hispanic whites. And that's because communities of color just happen to be younger as a cohort than, than white voters. Um, so what's on the table right now is essentially a, a plan where one in five white Missourians are not counted in the maps, but it's one in four black Missourians, and it's half of the Latino and Asian Missouri population, like just because there's kids and non-citizens um, um, in those communities. It also like has a huge impact on suburban communities. So in St. Louis, for instance, um, almost one in three residents of Wentzville are non-voters. It's tons of families, tons of kids. Um, 
So Wentzville is a community that would be dramatically impacted, um, along with Ferguson, Florissant in North County. Um, St. Charles County actually loses more of its representation, would lose more of its representation as a percentage of its current power than St. Louis or Washington County or other counties that it, that it uh, or Franklin County, the counties that it borders. So um, it is bad for growing communities, like they, they lose, it's bad for young communities with, with lots of families and, and discriminatory. So um, <laughs> it's bad for all sorts of reasons. Um, and uh, that is like, this is why every state in America does not do this. Every state counts everyone. Um, and these folks behind Amendment 3 wanna make Missouri the only state to be drawn maps this way. In my writing and understanding too that having Missouri do that is may actually be a test case, a first first case scenario that this could then uh, be uh, moved out to other states within the country. That's correct. So this is not an idea that came up out of Missouri. Um, we just happen to be the first place where um, in-state bad actors and national bad actors got together and said, "Hey, let's do this." So. Um, uh, there was a Supreme Court case on this very question um, a few years ago called Evanwell v. Abbott. It came out of Texas. Um, and so um, there has been a, 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 an effort by some gerrymandered enthusiasts to say, like, hey, let's get a, another shot at that. Um, so, yes, this, if, if we are unsuccessful here and, and this passes, you know, like we could, you know, this might pop up in other states. In what other ways does Amendment 3 weaken protections for minority communities? This is undercounting, but in what other ways does Amendment 3 sort of do that? Yeah, so um, in the Clean Missouri Amendment that we passed a couple years ago, uh, that made Missouri a national leader in legal protections to protect the voting power of communities of color. That is the very first criteria for any map that's considered. It comes before partisan fairness, it comes before competition, it comes before, you know, all the things you got to draw districts that are the same size and then the first thing you do is make sure that the voting power of um of communities of color is protected amendment three weakens those um legal protections and essentially ties us to the voting rights act right now with the missouri constitution the, the voting rights act the federal voting rights act is the floor and we have protections beyond that um and that's super important because you've got growing communities and um across the state and um, it's especially important for uh, Latino and Asian American communities where they may not ever make up 50% of a state house district, but they can make up a meaningful electoral block that helps elect a candidate of their choice. So like those protections are in the constitution now and that's important. Um, Amendment three would get rid of that and then would make the Voting Rights Act appealing, uh, which is super problematic because there's also a national effort to undermine some of the core provisions of the Voting Rights Act in the courts and Congress. So. Um, beyond the population change like it, it they're they're objectively and intentionally weakening the the protections that are in the constitution right now okay and and bob it seems to me like th this is these are the points that that mcu is really concerned about protecting our our, our communities of color within the st louis area uh north st louis and north county um what are some of the discussions being had with him within mcu about what's going on well as you said this is uh <clears throat> Uh, very consistent with uh, MCU's uh, focus on uh, racial equity, uh, et cetera. And so <clears throat> we just need to continue to educate people so that they understand the connection between the fundamental things that uh, MCU's focused on for a number of years and uh, Amendment 3, which is not, uh, as Sean has nicely said, is not obvious uh, at uh, first look. And so we just need to continue to educate uh, 
our volunteers uh, about the important uh, aspects of this that will negatively, uh, disproportionately negatively impact uh, community of color. So those are all ways that the count is being changed. So let's turn now to the administration of the districting process. Now that's being changed under Amendment 3 also from what we passed in, in Clean Missouri. Sean, what are some of the details there? Sometimes um, folks focus just on the process at the exclusion of everything else that's going on, and, and that's a mistake. Um, but even the process that is proposed in Amendment 3 is not the one that we had back in 2011 or 2001. So what they want to do, the fundamental goal of Amendment 3 is to let lobbyists and political operatives draw the maps in back rooms to protect the interests and the politicians uh, that are their favorites. So they want to get rid of the independent checks and balances that are in the Constitution now. Um, they want to get rid of the super strong transparency rules that are in the Constitution now. Um, and then they want to have the map making commissions that are totally partisan, that are made up of members who are screened by local political parties and then picked by the governor. They want to make those commissions bigger and they want to give the state Democratic Party and the state Republican Party more controls, new powers they've never had for picking, picking commissioners um, to really pack that room with, with folks who are going to advance their interests. So um, it is, I, I don't know if ironic is the right word, but it is the exact opposite of all of the things that people have been working on in Missouri and across the country to make, to go from an independent system with checks and balances and transparency to a more secretive, more partisan than ever kind of system. So as well as putting the process more in the hands of politicians, uh, this is all about making the process more opaque. What are, what are some of the ways that happens? Yeah, so with the voter approved rules that we worked so hard on in 2017 and 2018, the independent state demographer goes first in the process and that individual and their office is required by law to turn over all of the data that they use and they give all of that data to the Secretary of State so we all have a shared data set that we can look at and say, oh, okay, this is what influenced the drafting of those plans. When the commissions that have existed, continue to exist, will continue to exist, do their work, um, we all know, we've got, a, 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 we've got our own data that we can see, that they can see to, to figure out, um, you know, is there a more fair way to do this, a, a way to keep communities together in a better way, a way to achieve all the things that we want to do in redistricting plans? Um, what Amendment 3 does is it gets rid of that demographer's role at the front end, so there's no independent like, mar like flag that's planted. Um, and then it, 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 there's a nod to turning over the data for an early draft map, but there's no requirement that the commissions actually have to approve a, a draft plan. Um, it, there's, there's a big old... Um, loophole that is like right in there where they can just adopt a politician, a politician protection consensus map that just makes super safe districts and we don't have any idea what data um, was used for that final plan. So um, yeah, they, they don't want to, they don't want to have to show their work and explain who they're trying to protect. So that is why they've crafted that way. And then the final, the final sort of um, uh, surprise in all this too, is that it, it re restricts how much those maps can be challenged on the back end. Yeah, so one thing that's super important is that we all, everyone in Missouri has the standing to say, hey, this map like, is not fair. It breaks the law. Um, I, can, I can do the math. I can see the standards and the rules for how maps should, should be drawn. We have the ability to go to court and challenge that. 
um, that's an important part of the process so that we know that, you know, the outcome is going to be fair to voters at, at, at the back end. Um, what Amendment 3 proposes to do is unprecedented new rules to change who can even bring a lawsuit. And then they want to make it so a judge can't even throw out a map plan, even if the judge finds that it's unconstitutional. So there's two parts to that. It's a little technical, but when you bring a lawsuit, you have to be able to convince the judge that, hey, I'm a person who ought to be able to bring this lawsuit. So right now, I am a Missourian who's going to vote in these maps. Like, you have standing. Great. You can have that conversation with the judge. You got to make your case. It doesn't mean you're going to win, but you have the ability and you have the right to, to make that. They want to change the rules so that if you're in an overpacked district, you don't have any standing to sue. So they want to cut out an entire class of, of Missourian and say, you don't get to sue. Um, and then they want to add additional restrictions on how judges can fix it by saying you can only adjust the lines to satisfy the claims made by the people who happen to make it through the gate on the front end. You can't throw out the whole thing as fundamentally flawed. Now, that's a big deal. It may not sound like a big deal at first, but it's a big deal because like our current state Senate plan that we have right now, we got it because the whole plan got thrown out because it was fundamentally flawed back in 2011 um, in Pennsylvania a couple years ago. Um, the state Supreme Court said this whole thing is like we can't you pull one little string and then you got to do the next one and then that impacts the next district over like sometimes you need the ability to start over it doesn't mean that that's the only remedy but there's our constitution is about protecting our rights and making sure that we can get to a fair outcome and they want to use the state constitution so that we can have our day in court um, and to take away rights that we have right now so that's just the exact opposite point of of a state constitution so we're not talking necessarily about uh, endorsements per se, because we're in opposition of this, but, but who's on our side when, when uh, opposing this particular amendment? Uh, it seems like it's a, it's a broad coalition here. It's a bigger coalition than we had in 2018, um, given the nasty details that are in the fine print and given just the fundamental, to Bob's earlier point, like, citizens passed the thing and now politicians are trying to undo it. Like we've been able to grow um, our coalition beyond that. So, you know, we've, there's, we're up to, you know, well north of 300 different organizations and leaders and associations from around the state. It is a very bipartisan coalition. Um, there were Republican no votes in the Senate and the House uh, when this thing got sent to the ballot. There's been, you know, super strong opposition from conservative leaders like Senator Jack Danforth um, saying like, hey, like we all like, these are not like competition, fairness, um, collaboration. Like these are all universal values. These are not partisan values and we should be standing up because uh, you know, the, the heart of our democracy is at stake. Um, there's even been um, an increase in business opposition to this um, given uh, you know, just what would happen if Missouri becomes the first state to uh, pass a discriminatory law, like the nation will respond. Um, and then we've seen really strong opposition from mayors and academics and uh, business leaders across the state uh, because, you know, regardless of political party, we need our communities to be fully counted. Um, like we all fail if our kids and our neighbors aren't counted in the population because we won't be adequately represented in the state capital. Well, that brings us to getting out the vote now. So what is the state uh, campaign doing to, to uh, educate folks? This is a complicated issue. And uh, so what are, what are the plans? Yeah, it is. It is an exciting uh, time. We are 
out talking to voters. Right now we are talking to folks three different times a week. We do all of our voter contact virtually, which is awesome during the time that we are in and in a pandemic, you know, having the opportunity to do them virtually is a real blessing. And it's also a great way to do it and still create community and excitement so that we uh, realize that as Sean was lifting up, like this is something that is, is broad and is beyond, you know, kind of where how we sit in our own particular space. And so we do them on Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And what we do is folks uh, join us with via Zoom. We talk about the policy, help to explain uh, what is the best way to talk about it on uh, the phone and help voters understand that when they see that ballot, that um, there's going to be confusion because that's the purpose. Uh, behind it and then that you know what the actual intent and impact will be uh, if that would pass and get them to commit to vote no. And so we, we talk about that, then we uh, do training on a system uh, that we've been using. And, and after that, we make calls together as a community and then come back and debrief and talk about how we are you know, how do we move forward and, you know, continue this fight. Um, and we are also working with, there's, there's groups doing this all around the state. Um, and so I, I will also let um, Bob talk about what they are also doing. So that's the other beauty of what we are doing is that this is such an important issue. It's, it's touching so many different aspects of uh, folks that are, you know, working towards different um, you know, a democracy that works for people instead of politicians and that um, I am uh, the person who is running them for the campaign and that is one option, but I will give it to Bob now to kind of talk about what MCU is doing in particular uh, around it as well. Oh, thanks, Lexi. So <laughs> MCU is uh, asking people to get involved uh, multiple ways. <clears throat> the first one is to educate themselves so they can talk to uh, their friends and neighbors and anyone that will listen about uh, uh, Amendment 3 and the negative things that would happen if Amendment 3 passes. And then secondly, we're offering uh, volunteer opportunities uh, to people uh, through either phone banking or text banking. Uh, MCU will start its uh, phone banking on October 1st uh, next week, and we'll do that uh, just within <coughs> MCU volunteers for uh, about three weeks. We'll also start uh, soon with uh, text banking. Uh, both of those are well supported with technology and are easy to learn and uh, it's a great way for people to get involved. Uh, and, and then in the last 10 days, as Lexi alluded to, in the last 10 days before November 3rd, uh, MCU will join many other organizations. Uh, we work uh, under the umbrella of the Missouri Organizing and Voter Engagement Collaborative and all the organizations involved in that will come together for a centralized uh, phone banking and text banking effort to try to contact as many voters as possible. So there are many volunteer opportunities through uh, MCU and I hope people listening to this will uh, uh, join us in that important effort. Okay, and then for, for both of you, what, what is the best way to, to get involved? Yeah, um, so you can go to cleanmissouri.org slash volunteer. Um, and at that form, you'll see three opportunities. Uh, Wednesday from three to six, 
Thursday from 6 to 9 and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 1. And um, But if you go to that um, form, you can fill that out and an organizer will be in contact with you uh, so that if you are you know, hesitant or nervous about uh, getting involved, we can walk you through it and also make sure that, you know, you feel prepared. Um, and something that we have really been talking about is that with people already voting, uh, you know, with absentee and early voting in place, we, we can't wait like we have in the past until those last 10 days. Like, yes, we're going to have that huge push, but um, we, we need folks to show up now so that as people are, you know, getting those ballots that we are, they are educated and informed about what is happening. And um, so we would implore people to get involved earlier rather than later, uh, because that's just like, you know, this isn't something we can wait on. And it's just far too important to uh, allow opposition to, uh, you know, confuse voters and continue the the misinformation campaign that's been happening. And, and really the best way that we can um, do that is by talking to voters directly. You know, uh, all of the other things like are super important. We, we really want people to be, uh, you know, talking to their neighbors and their friends and stuff, but really getting out and talking to voters is the number one way that we can make sure that we defeat Amendment 3. I think the thing I'd add is that we know, based on talking to thousands of voters over the past few months, that we have a message and a strategy that works. So these are, you know, there are times when we've perhaps campaigned and we've had longer conversations or it's been a tough hill to climb. But voters are very, they, they get it when you say this is how politicians are trying to trick you, right? Like they do not like the idea, A, of politicians trying to overturn their vote and B, that they're trying to do it in deceptive ways. And so like that is that is our imperative as a coalition who fought so hard to make this happen in 2018 is we need everyone to know how they're trying to get duped into undoing that and doing something unlike anything Missouri or America has ever seen. Bob, any final thoughts on our participating with MCU? Well, yeah, so the, the MCU Facebook page has information about how to connect into uh, volunteer opportunities. So we, we welcome, uh, uh, any volunteers that want to get involved. There are many different uh, ways to do it. This is rolling into MCU's uh, 20 and 2020 campaign, which is increasing voter turnout for each of our congregation's neighborhoods uh, this year by 20%. So we're, we're, we're just finishing up uh, reaching out to people uh, to, to finish the census to make sure that folks are represented that way. Uh, the last thing I want to ask uh, each of you, Bob, you had mentioned this a little bit. Uh, so Sean and, and Lexi, what, what is it that, that stirs you in this, this fight here that is important to you on an emotional level, the reason that you keep doing this? Uh, it's been a long journey and we're, we're down to the last leg here. So why are you still in it? This is about the direction of our state and whether or not people are going to be in charge of the state and what happens in our legislature or whether it's going to be a small group of big donors and politicians. And so like that sounds abstract, but like it is that, that, that fuels me, you know, we're four or five years into this fight and I'm so excited to win big a second time. Um, I also in COVID land, like my office is right next to where my eldest son is doing a lot of his schoolwork and like where he's just been furthering away the hours playing video games. Cause like, what else are we going to do um, in, in lockdown? But like, if this happens where they don't count kids, like he is going to vote in these new maps and he's not going to count in them. And that is so nuts. 
um, Missouri, like we are, we have the opportunity to say like, no, we're not doing this here in Missouri and America, this is a really bad idea. Like we're showing you the way. So I just, it is personal, it's real, but also um, I am so energized by um, going and winning big a second time. I would say that that is a lot of what Sean shared is very similar for me. I have a 15 year old and a 16 year old. They are awesome uh, and uh, very engaged uh, kids. And when I was explaining this to them, the, the heartbreak, like truly heartbreak in their eyes that their government didn't care that they wouldn't have representation. Um, like watching that happen and is something that, you know, it, it fuels me to fight because I right now have that, like they need to be in school. They need to be doing what they're doing right now. But it also is like so fundamental to, you know, who I am and the values that I hold and what I want my children to have as they grow up. And, and so I would say that that is the thing that the days when it's hard or I'm tired, I remember the conversation that I had with my kids and, and they get so excited when they find out that, you know, another person signed on or if that we're making calls, they get excited. They're like, oh, you're making calls right now. Okay. You know, keep going. So this is something that means a lot to them. And I think that that is something that, you know, when, when it gets hard, we just have to remember that the abstraction is, is real. And, and, you know, these are real people when we are talking about this issue. So that's what I, what, that's what keeps me going. <laughs> and Bob, any final thoughts on, on why, why you continue this fight? Well, for me, it's, it's just fundamentally about uh, democracy. And uh, I think the 62% of the voters took a strong stand in 2018. And uh, we got to continue to fight to uh, preserve uh, important democratic, uh, democratic values. So uh, that's, uh, that sums it up for me. I think I'm, I'm along those lines too. I don't have any children, but I've got a, I've got a nephew that's around 17 that he's going to fall under that. But also just the, the sheer frustration and anger uh, about the audacity of, of, of not only rolling back what was passed by 62%, but, but changing it fundamentally in a different direction that, that favors uh, one group of folks over another. Um, it, it is just infuriating. And, and really all you can ask is that we have a level playing field and that we all play on that, that playing field levelly. And folks trying to tilt it one way or the other uh, just is really enough to get my blood boiling. And I think that's one of the interesting things about this particular amendment is there's enough to dislike no matter what, your, your, what angle you come from, whether it's um, the inherent... Uh, you know, building in a, a white privilege or whether it's overturning the will of the voters or whether it's eliminating the ability to hold uh, your, your government accountable. There's enough to go around in this one. There is. And I just want to close by saying thank you to both Kevin, you and Bob, like, and all of MCU. Like we are here because of the hard work that MCU leaders helped us pull off in 2017 and 2018. And we are poised to win big again. Uh, because of report from faith leaders and faith communities and working families from across the state. So like y'all were a part of this from the beginning. You can, you are a part of our second victory. And so just a big thanks from the campaign for everything y'all have done. Well, thank you. And thank you for your leadership. That's going to bring our program to a close for today. I want to thank our guests today, Lexi Amos and Sean Seneca Nicholson of the Clean Missouri Campaign and Robert Carr, an organizer with MCU. To learn more about MCU, go to Metropolitan Congregations United's website at mcustlewis.org 
Also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you can learn about details of events and how to become involved. I'm Kevin Prang, and you've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening. Thank you.